Good morning. How do I look? Do I kind of look manipulated? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Steve could talk about harmony all he wants. That's Steve Riley talking about how harmony and a metric of our church health. I see collusion. I see manipulation. And to me, it's kind of frightening what they can get away with, you know? Yeah, I don't know how far this goes, but, uh, but it goes deep. I'm not going to dig. <laughs> uh, but they've created a bunch of clones this morning. We've, we've been lemming-ized, if you will. But uh, it's, it's, I think it's kind of neat. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. It's Father's Day, taking time to be with us today. I'm happy to announce that I know some of you are probably happy to hear that this is the last installment of our Faith That Works series of the book of James, that little book, and we've gotten a lot of mileage out of this. It's an expository style of preaching that allows the Bible to say what it wants to say, and that's what we've tried to do. We hope... Uh, Hope you've gained some real nuggets of truth as we've gone through it. They're online if you want to review some of those in your own time. But the thing that we most hope you get is the slogan that we've used through all of this, and that's if Jesus has made a difference in your life, then your life will look different. Your life will look different. And that's what having a faith that works is all about. Jesus has made a difference in my life to the degree that it doesn't look the same as it used to look. It doesn't look the same as those who don't know my Savior. And so the message this morning is at the end of the book, it's at the end of uh, James 5, and we're calling it Faith That Works When You Pray. And we're going to read that section in just a few minutes. But we know something about prayer, don't we? Uh, we, 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 we want to know more, but we, we kind of are born knowing something about prayer. Little Debbie, age 7, and that's her real name, that's my kind of name. Little Debbie, age seven, prayed for a new baby. God, would you send a new baby? The one you sent last week cries way too much. <laughs> cries way too much. And eight-year-old Abigail got into the prayer thing too. Dear God, would you please send my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't seem to have any. So we know about, we know about prayers. And today, fellas, it's Father's Day, and, and we say... Some pretty predictable things, don't we? We've got to acknowledge that. Around the house, we'll say, ask your mother. We'll say, don't worry about it, it's only blood. Or a little dirt, never hurt anyone. Or do I look like I'm made of money? How about that? Have you ever said that one? I'm not sleeping, I was watching that show. <laughs> and in the car, we say things like, we're not lost. No, we're not there yet. Don't make me stop this car. Been there. And when I was little, and for some of you, it might be hard to imagine that there were cars when I was little. But there were three boys in the back seat of our car. We didn't have private space. We didn't have restraints. We didn't have seat belts. And it would often get a little active in the back seat. And once in a while, Dad would say, don't make me come back there. And once in a while, he would come back there. Once in a while. But I can't think of a... We say a lot of things, but I can't think of a better challenge 
for our church and the men of our church than to be husbands and dads who say things like, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A challenge to the men of our church to be men of prayer, husbands, dads, father figures who are men of prayer. And I'm not talking about just a a prayer before dinner, although that's good. I'm not talking about a prayer with our kids before they go to bed tonight. I encourage you to do that. But I'm talking about men and women too who actively pray to God when there's nobody around to listen to a word. Nobody is listening but God himself. Praying in the car on your way to and from work. Praying as you push that buggy up and down the aisles of the grocery store. If there's places we need to pray, it's on our way to and from work. And it's on our way up and down the aisles at Kroger. But praying on your lunch break or praying on your work breaks. Praying before everybody goes to, or gets up in the morning or before anyone gets up in the morning. And maybe praying after everybody goes to bed at night, praying when you go for a walk or you go through a run in your neighborhood or by your local schools. Pray without ceasing. How do you think your life would look different if we prayed more often? If we would just pray more? How different would your marriage look if we prayed more? How different would our church look if we prayed more? Or our country. How different would our country look if more dads were spending more time in prayer? Now, I don't think it's an accident that James is concluding this book with prayer. Because that's the way he began it. So before we get to the ending, we're going back to the beginning in James 1 verse 5. And this is what he says. If any, lacks, if, if any lacks of wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Let, him. let him ask God. Sounds like prayer to me. And then he concludes that section by saying, but let him ask in faith. That sounds like prayer again. He starts with prayer. He starts the book. And so it's no, no, no surprise that he ends the book with a challenge to pray. Let's take a look at that. James 5, verses 13 through 17. And this is what James writes for us today. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him uh, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months and it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. James 5, 13 through uh, 17. Now, this passage seems to me that James is just encouraging us to pray. But he's telling us how to do that. He, first of all, he says, pray for yourself. If it is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. We need to pray for ourselves. I know a guy 
that every day would pray basically, and, and he told me this, basically the same prayer every day. And it was something like, dear God, so far today, I'm doing okay. I've not gossiped. I've not cussed. I've not lied. I've not been selfish, overindulgent. I've not been nasty. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And then I'm going to need all the help that I can get. That's us, isn't it? I, I, that, I, I think that's you. I know that's me. I need all the help I can get. James says, pray for yourself. If you're suffering, if you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, praise. Bring praise. Prayer and praise are in the same category. They're both communicating with God. They're just different forms of communication. And if you're a Christian... You want to keep that relationship with God healthy like all of our relationships. And there has to be that healthy flow of communication. So we pray and we praise. Now some of you I know are going through tough times right now. I don't know what all those tough times are. You know the hurt. You know the pressure. You know the concern. It may be physical, uh, a physical problem. It may be a relational problem. Maybe unending financial pressures that we face. It may be mental struggles or decisions with uh, epic consequences. Whatever the challenges, many of us are going through something right now. Right now. Whatever that burden is, whatever that it is, take it to Jesus. Pray for yourself. You remember a lot of the old hymns that we used to sing talked about that very thing. One of them was tell it to Jesus alone. Do you remember that one? Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. And then that chorus, we would sing that chorus on and on and on. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He's a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. And that's what James is talking about right here. Tell it to Jesus. That that's on your heart, that pressure that's on your, on your mind, that struggle that you're dealing with, take it to Him. Talk to Jesus about everything. And some of you may be just a prayer away from a breakthrough into healing and victory. But it's not just hard times that James is writing about. He says, talk to God about the good times too. If you're cheerful, if you're happy. And we have hymns about that too, don't we? Praise Him, praise Him. Tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him ever in Joyful song. You want, you want me to sing a measure of that or two? Talk about suffering. <laughs> We're not going to do that. But James says, pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. But don't end there. Verses 14 and 15. This is in chapter 5 of James. He says to ask the church to pray. Now, there's a lot in these two verses, 14 and 15. We just read them a moment ago. But we're going to unpack them little by little by little to see what James is saying here. First of all, he says, is anyone among you sick? Now, we, we use that word sick in a lot of different ways in, in our English vocabulary. But for some reason, when we read this in James, we kind of lock in on a physical sickness, 
a disease or a broken arm or some kind of physical problem. But actually, James is saying this is any kind of weakness. It could be a physical weakness. It could be a mental challenge. Whatever that, that burden is, if you're, if you're sick in any way, to make a call. And call now could mean a lot of things too. It's not just a dial-up and nobody dials up anymore. But James puts the burden for this call on the sick. It's not the church leadership responsibility to knock on doors, to make phone calls, to check social media, to see who might need a special uh, bit of prayer today. But if you're sick, invite the church. You make a call. You have somebody in your family, make a call and reach out to the church so that they can also pray, that they can also be a part of your prayer needs. And then he says, if you're sick, make a call and call the elders. And call the church leaders. We have elders here. We have church leaders here. But that's kind of symbolic of the entire church. Just get your church involved in praying for you in this way as well. Call for the church. Now, I think when he says that, James is making an assumption of the one who is sick. And the assumption is that the one who is sick has a church to which, or, or, or to which he can make a call to invite prayer. You can't be a part of the larger body of Christ unless you're connected to the local body of Christ. And God's will for all of us is that we're connected to a church home, a place where we belong, a place where we can study God's word with others. A place where we can go to corporate singing and preaching and, and just corporate worship and share. A place where we can serve with others. A place where we can give our tithes and offerings to do God's work on a continual basis. A place where we can be accountable and we can be counted upon. That we have a local church that's a part of our life. And James says to call upon your church. Call upon those elders. And then there's a final word in this passage. He talks about oil. Anointing with oil. Now, oil had an important purpose in the first century. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says that oil was the primary medicine of the first century. So, James is suggesting that we use all available means for healing. But ultimately, we can use medicinal, uh, medicinal methods, physicianal methods, if you will. But ultimately, we trust God's healing for His divine touch. And then he uses this phrase in the name of the Lord. And I think this is really neat. What he is saying is that it's such a powerful moment when you pray and the church leaders pray. And your church is behind you praying. And our church focuses on one need, focusing on that with, with all of the prayer. Focus on that one need that transformational things can happen. God is an amazing prayer answering God. When his people pray. And we believe that at Gateway. I, I'm told about a small town in, in, in the country. In an area that had been historically dry. And by dry I mean the alcohol was prohibited. Or at least restricted in its sales. But then a local businessman decided to build a tavern. And he did. It concerned a group of local Christians at a, at a congregation. So they decided to have an all night prayer meeting. To pray that God would intervene. In this, in this tavern uh, incident. And so they prayed all night long. Shortly after that, 
lightning struck that tavern and burnt it to a crisp. Burned it right down to the ground. Well, the tavern owner got him a lawyer, and he accused the church's prayers being responsible for burning down his tavern. The church got an attorney claiming that the, the burning of the, the tavern was not their fault at all. And so the judge, when this, when this case came to court, after, he, after the judge made his initial remarks, he said, I don't know how this is going to go. We'll wait and see how it goes. But one thing is clear. We have a tavern owner who believes in the power of prayer and a church that doesn't. And a church that doesn't. Well, let me tell you once again that Gateway believes in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. We stand ready to answer your call. When you're sick and you call upon the church, your church leaders, your church elders, the people in the pews beside you, we are ready to respond and pray for your need, whatever that is. We have a prayer team. and Many of you are on that prayer team that prays regularly for the needs that come through our Gateway family. We get updates often, multiple times a day on different prayer needs of our church family. We've prayed for some of you who have asked for prayer. Some of you, again, are on that team. But we stand ready to take your call. We stand ready to be behind you and to be before you praying for the needs that you have about a variety of issues. Whatever is concerned to you is a concern to us. So James is saying that we, we pray first for ourselves... And then we call on the church to pray, and we pray in faith. That's what verse 15 says. We pray in faith when it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Uh, now, what's this prayer of faith that James is talking about? Is that the prayer of the one who is sick? Actually, it's not that at all. It's the prayer of those who are praying for this one. It's the prayer of the elders, the prayers of the church. And I say that, and I think it's important, because how many people have prayed and not been healed, and somebody will say, you didn't have enough faith. If you only had more faith, you would have been healed. Well, let's just look at the ministry of Christ. He did heal. We, we admit he did heal people with a lot of faith. But he healed some people with just a little bit of faith. And he healed some people with absolutely zero faith. So it's not, it's not the faith of the one who is sick and hurting. It's the faith of the righteous man, the righteous woman, that righteous team that is praying. And please note that this is not a blank check for, for good health. It's not a guarantee of healing. If, if we get sick, and even if we pray, even if we call on the church to pray for us, it doesn't guarantee us that we'll get well, because let's face it, common sense, common sense tells us that one day, in some way, yeah, we're going to die. Unless we're alive when Jesus comes back. So we believe the Bible teaches. But it is God alone who heals and decides when to heal and who he heals. And it's all according to his will. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. You've heard about Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. Some, some think it was eyesight and it probably was. But it could have been any kind of malady. But it affected his body. 
And he prayed multiple times, three times. The Bible says, God, take it away. Take it away. And God never did. Never did. So just because James says, pray in faith, and if you're sick, God will raise you up. That's not quite the blank check that it sounds. So what does it mean? I think it means praying in faith in the will of God. Whatever his will is, if we pray, we trust God's will with the answer. And that means if we pray for healing and healing occurs, then hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. But if we pray for healing and healing doesn't come, then it's ouch-alleluiah. But we keep right on serving anyway. We just do. We just do. Paul said it was a purpose. There was a purpose in God not taking that thorn in the flesh away. And it, in his case, it was so that he wouldn't be conceited. He would, he would forget how great God was. Now, don't miss this. That's how we're supposed to pray for others, in faith, in God's will. But don't miss this. Even though God may say no to physical healing, and he may say no now to physical healing, he still offers inner peace. He offers this inner healing, healing of soul, healing of mind, healing of spiritual heart. And after all, isn't that truly and ultimately the healing that we need before this body goes back to the earth and our soul stands before Almighty God? That's the healing we ultimately need. And that's the guarantee that James is talking about in verse 15. It's this inner healing. So if you're suffering from anxiety, from grief, from mental exhaustion, from fear, or any disease of the spiritual heart and mind, and mind, it's not God's will that you live with those kinds of hurts. Pray for yourself. Then call on the church to pray for you in faith in the will of God. And be prepared for transformation. That's God's promise. And then there's one final way that he says to pray. And that's pray with a clean heart. And that's what James says in verse 16. Where he says, confess your sins one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Now in this relationship we have with God. We want that to be stronger and stronger and stronger. But if we have unchecked sin in our life. We're not going to go closer, grow closer to God. But we're going to drift farther apart. And it's the same way with our human relationships too. So, we confess our sins to God and to one another. And to that you say, whoa. Whoa. Well, let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. I'm not saying just to sit down with anybody and everybody and open up and just share all the, the sin, the stains, the regrets, the trauma that you've been through and just throw it out there. But to the extent that you've affected someone by your sin, someone that, you, someone that you've cheated, someone that you've lied to, someone that you've uh, gossiped about, yes, go to that person or persons. Confess your sin. Ask for forgiveness. And try to make it right as best you can. But just to throw out all the history of sin and damage and uh, junk in your life. Just throw it out on anybody who happens to go by. That's not necessary. And it's not healthy. What is healthy is to find a friend or two. Maybe through just a small collection of people who care about you and who care about Jesus 
And together we become completely transparent. We become completely genuine. And we're just exposed in our pursuit of holiness. I need help with whatever. This thing, this thing, this thing. I struggle in this area. I'm prone to weakness in this area. And together, you find people who are mature in their faith, people who will go to battle for you in prayer. And that's the whole reason, not just to get it off your chest, but to help us feel better and grow stronger in our faith. Forget to feel better, that we grow stronger in our faith. And together, together, we can overcome and become stronger in the person, the man or the woman that God has called us to be. Uh, that's, that's the whole purpose. And, and so we confess our sins. We confess them to each other on an honest, an honest basis. And we confess them to God who has the power to forgive. But at the end, it all boils down to verse 16. And I love this verse. I love the way the message version records this section about a righteous man or a righteous person. It says, the prayer of a righteous person living right with God is, a powerful, is something powerful to be reckoned with. The prayer of a person right, living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. It sounds like an immovable force, doesn't it? There is force there. There is energy there. Isn't that a good word? And so we pray with a good heart. So we pray with a good heart. And after teaching us all of these four ways, James comes down to an, comes down to an illustration about a guy named Elijah from 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. And Elijah was in this duel, if you will. It was Elijah's faith versus the faith of 400 false prophets of Baal. And God was going to punish King Ahab and the nation of Israel for their idolatry. And here on Mount Carmel, there's this showdown. And God blasts fire down from heaven to prove that he is a prayer answering God. And the whole showdown is there recorded in in uh, the book of 1 Kings, check that out sometime. But that's the kind of prayer that even though Elijah was flawed in so many ways, he stood and he prayed and he honored God. Men, fathers, husbands, that should be our goal. To be a man like Elijah. To pray with the same urgency and obedience. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not Elijah. I'm not an Old Testament prophet. I can't do what he did. But that's the point that James is making. Elijah was just a man like we are. He was flawed. He had blemishes. He had weaknesses. Uh, But he was trying to obey God's command at a time when the world seemed to be going totally toward immorality and idolatry. That kind of sounds like the world I live in. Maybe like the world you live in. I think so. Who will be a man of God? Who will be a man of obedience? Who will be a man of prayer? And there's one final word as we wrap all of this up. One final word. Last couple of verses in this little book of James. And this is what it says. These verses seem out of place. They just don't seem to fit. This is what they say. Verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back... Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It looks like just James kind of just stuck them in there and they don't really fit, but they do. And here is the way they fit. Here's the reason they fit. The answer is simple. It's, it's, you've heard it before. 
You've heard it every Sunday practically for the last couple of months or so. And the, and, the, and the reason that they're here is because of this. If Jesus has made a difference in your life, then your life will look different. And if one of your brothers, James is saying it here, if one of your brothers or sisters in Christ wanders away from their faith, starts wandering away, and their life begins to look like it did before they knew Jesus, their life begins to look like one that's in the world, then let's put our faith into action. And let's go rescue them. Let's put our faith into action because our faith works. We are supposed to have a faith that works. And their soul is in the balance. Praise Him. If you'd like to go ahead and begin coming up, we're going to wrap this up real, real quick. So once again, as we, as we draw this to a close, I want to ask you, has Jesus made a difference in your life? If so, your life will look different your heart will be different. Your prayer life will be different. And it will be powerful. Jesus paid the price for all of us at Calvary. Will you let him make a difference in your life? Are you letting him make that difference? That's why he died, to make a difference. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you that we can share this time. In gratitude to you, our our Father, Lord, we thank you for loving us, for embracing us, adopting us, and giving us the privilege to call you our Father. But Lord, we're not as much like you as we would like to be. We want to be holy. We want to be righteous. We want to be like Elijah. We want to be a people of faith and a people of prayer. God, draw us closer to you. Help us to do that in ways that we've never dreamed possible because of the way your spirit works in us. But that requires surrender. And we just pray that as we consider this response time right now, that surrender will be a word on our heart, a word on our mind. And Lord, what that surrender looks like, it's, it's different for all of us. There may be those here who have never accepted Christ and they need to be washed in the waters of baptism. Father, there are some here who, who may have never said, I want uh, a place or this place to be my place. A church where I get plugged in and connected and serve and give and be ministered to. Lord, we pray that you would move them. That, that step of surrender needs to occur. If there's those here who just need to ask your people to pray, Lord, give them the humility, give them the courage. And give them the means whereby they step out and let that need be known. Not only that you know, but that we can join them in praying for the needs of their heart. Lord, thank you for our families and we give them to you. We pray for this family, the needs that we have now. May you be honored as we respond in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, if we can help you meet any need of surrender, we ask that you come as we stand together and sing.